Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Run Wild with Lauren and Bud. It has been a little while since we have gotten to sit down and podcast together. Life has been busy crazy lately for both of us. So we're back, and we're actually together And this weekend, we are training for my upcoming 100 miler, the No Business 100. So Bud drove up to outside of Nashville to meet me uh, to get some training done. So we spend a little bit of time chatting about how to run 100 miles. Uh, So we hope you join us and find some good info here. And if you have questions about running 100 miles or you want to come on the podcast and talk about running 100 miles, we'd love to have you. All right, here we go. Hey, bud. What's going on? Well, I'm sitting on your couch. You are in my living room. Yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> lucid dreaming, everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me what your definition of lucid dreaming is. Well, I don't, I don't know if I have the definition correct, but it's kind of like um, in your dream, you are still in control. So it's like... uh, So you feel like you're awake. You're awake and you can decide how the dream goes because you're controlling it. Because it's like you're awake and functioning through life. And so, uh, yeah, that's... There's probably a more technical definition, but I feel like it's like you're awake in your dream and you can Mm -hmm. control what happens in your dream it's not just like a dream that happens to you and plays in your mind and so anyways and when you're experiencing it you don't know if you're asleep or awake yeah it's weird and then when you wake up you're so tired because your brain was so busy all night (laughs) and you never got rest that's right your poor brain so yeah that's what we were talking about and uh we are getting prepared for tomorrow what are we doing tomorrow, bud? Uh, 30 miles. Yeah, training run. We're up here in my neck of the woods outside of Nashville. And then we start to taper, or what do we do? Yeah, well, I'm going to try to run 30 miles tomorrow with Bud, and then I'll probably run about 20 more on Sunday. And uh, then it's taper time for No Business 100. Uh, that's like the third weekend or so in October for me. And, uh, yeah, so this is like my training weekend where I'm just going to pack in the miles and get some back-to-back action. And uh, Bud so kindly drove up to Nashville tonight uh, so that we could do a training run tomorrow. It was good. Yeah. We ate pizza. We had pizza. It's good. So Jim, my husband, is actually going to be running the same 100-miler, and he is running all through the night tonight. So that I can run tomorrow during the day. Um, and we took him some pizza on the trail. thought that was very... Oh. oh. <laughs> Are we allowed to say what else happened? Yeah. Okay. So so we, we have pizza. We're having fun with some friends. My poor husband's out, you know, in the dark running trails. Yeah. And so we're driving. Uh, it's like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And we're driving to the trail to meet him to bring him pizza. And as I'm getting closer 
to this trail, I see that there's a helicopter circling above like the park area with a spotlight yeah, shining down into the park. And we're getting nervous. So I'm thinking, is there an escaped convict? Is there a cougar loose? <laughs> like, what is going on? Is it like the, the Knoxville situation where they had a tiger running through town? <laughs> like, what is going on? Someone's pet tiger's gotten out. What, you know, my husband's there running in the dark. Like, this can't be good. So I'm like, well, maybe it's no big deal. Maybe it's just nothing. Well, we pull in to the trailhead, and there's cop cars everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this cannot be good. Um, and so I'm thinking, oh, man, is there, like, are they searching for someone? Like, a bad person? What is going on? There's, like, one cop car when we get there, but then here comes, like, four or five more and uh you know it's it's kind of weird and uh bud you want to tell us what happened so we saw a lot of atvs and other cars driving on the forestry type trails and apparently there was a lost runner and i don't know if she was back there without a headlamp and it got dark but she had her phone and she called 911 or something and they sent in it was six or seven cop cars and and atvs and rescue people and they got her out, and uh, they there really wasn't a whole lot of fanfare after that, I guess. No, like she totally rode in on the ATV with the guy. But to have several, and then went home. <laughs> several helicopters, <laughs> what kind of, that's expensive. Yeah. And they, did they even charge her for that? Like the whole mm-hmm. helicopter deal, I was like, man, this is legit. Like somebody broke out of jail and is hiding in... Percy Warner Park in Nashville, Tennessee, and my husband is out there running alone in the dark. <laughs> like, well, this is not going to end well. But no, luckily everything's fine. They found the lost runner and got her back to her car. But it was just funny because I'm like, of all nights, that my husband's alone running wild in the woods and, and there's like helicopters with searchlights. and <laughs> Jim, Jim runs wild. I know. I'm like, what did Jim do? Oh, man. Uh, they think he's like a bear running wild. I don't know. So anyways, but he's out there trucking and he ate some pizza. How many miles is he doing? Well, he had set out to do like 50 something miles. Like he wanted to do like 12 hours of running. And I don't know. I told Whoa. him he didn't have to do that much that he'd go back out, you know, later in the weekend and do more. So, so it's going to take us 12 hours to do 30. <laughs> Better not take us 12 hours. Oh, how long are we going? Eight. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we can go I was to thinking eight. eight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. We'll take our time. We'll hike all the hills and just about time on our feet. Hundo pace, you know. Yeah. Hundo paces. A truck with a cooler and food and all yep, that. Yep, we're going to have our uh, truck mm-hmm. with the aid station. So we'll be good. Yeah. So why don't we talk about like 100 mile training, bud? Let's do that. Okay, let's do it. And so uh, some of this podcast will take place here in my living room tonight. And then we'll uh, report back from the trail while we're running. So I think one of the most important things for hundo training, and that means 100 miler, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's time on your feet, time on your legs, because probably you're going to be doing the race for 30 hours and most people aren't uh they don't like being on their feet that long and so you you have to do these long runs and you have to know what it feels like to be on your legs that amount of time and it a lot of a lot of it has more to do with um 
spending time uh, when you would normally be asleep, when you're out, you, you need to spend that time out training and running to know what it's like to be in a sleep deprived uh, situation. And you also have to be on your legs so that even if you're not running 50 miles that night, you have to be on your feet because you're going to be on your feet for 30 plus hours. And uh, you have to know what it feels like to fuel your body over a long period of time. And it's, it's not something that you can just, um, even if you had a really fast marathon time, you can't just say, okay, um, if you can run a marathon in three and a half hours, multiply it times four, there's your hundred mile pace. No, that's bullshit. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not going to work out that, for that you. That ain't going to well. work. <laughs> yeah. Your hundred mile pace is going to be much, much slower than your marathon pace. And I don't care who you are. And it's going to be the type of thing where, um, you know, for us, or at least me, it's going to be best case, you know, 15 to 19 minutes a mile. That's where it's going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, like your overall pace, because that takes into consideration stopping at aid stations, hiking up big incline, stopping to, you know. Cry. Uh, yeah, cry <laughs> and, and, you know, poop and pee and it adds up, you know. And so, yeah, uh, hundo pace, I'm hoping overall to you know, 16-minute miles, 15-minute miles. That includes stopping and creek crossings and going up and down ridges and mountains and plateaus. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just way different. Like Bud said, time on your feet is so important. Building that endurance um, muscle, building just the endurance in your ligaments and everything that you need, uh, building the endurance of carrying a pack on your back for 30 hours because you're working those muscles as well. Um, I remember after my first ultra how sore my abs were. Man, like being upright and moving for 30 hours straight. Because we've got abs. Oh, yeah. Abs of steel somewhere hidden under some layers of fat <laughs> filled with beer and tacos. And <laughs> do, you, do you have any quarantine weight? Uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I have some. Yeah, so listen, I I I didn't get the Corona 15 pounds, you know, like the Corona 15, but I did get a good Corona 5, which I lost when I got sick with salmonella from food poisoning, but then I promptly gained back <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> so I've, I've gone up and I've gone down. Was it, okay? was it fun getting it back? It was so fun gaining it back because it actually took me a couple of weeks. And so I enjoyed getting to eat like a fool for two weeks, but still looking like I hadn't eaten like a fool. That was nice. That was like a sweet spot. But now I'm back. And so (laughs) what'd you you eat tonight? Oh, I had pizza and I had some uh, cookie with ice cream and a skillet. The margarita or what? No, I had something called Selma. It had Mm. ricotta cheese and sun-dried tomatoes. It's good. Yeah, I remember. Had a beer before dinner. It's good. Yeah. So, you know, you know, ultra food, ultra training food. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so the goal this weekend in hundo training is lots of time on my feet. I'll probably get 30-ish miles tomorrow. 
um, hopefully 20 or more on Sunday, and then I'll start to taper, and taper just means to start backing off mileage, giving my body time to rest and heal and, and get ready for the big event. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are so many different approaches. And it's important to learn how to fuel your body over yeah. a long period of time. Yeah, that's the other thing on these really long training runs. Uh, it's a good time to make sure you know how to fuel. Because I feel like everybody can get a good idea of how to fuel for a 10 miler or a 20 miler. But you know, being on your feet all weekend, it gives you practice with hydration and whatever temperatures. Like we have cooler temperatures this weekend, thank God. Um, and so those long training runs give you practice with your nutrition and hydration and, and all that. Um, so what's sure. your plan for tomorrow? Well, food okay, wise, listen, I'm a, I'm a simple woman <laughs> with simple tastes. Um, here's the deal. I'm a big fan of uh, real food. I do use some gels, and I like the little... Goo makes these little, like, jelly blocks that have caffeine and, and electrolytes and sugars in them, and they just, they're like giant gummies, okay? And you just pop one in your mouth and kind of chew on it, and it goes down easy. It's like eating candy. Uh, and so I, I tend to ha take those from time to time, but I also eat real food, so I got some PB&Js, right? Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I got us some cherry Cokes. Oh, great. Got us some uh, small, little fun-sized Snicker bars. Uh, I'm a big fan of those little peppermint patties, you know, the chocolate with the peppermint. It's like a, such a like mental boost to get some peppermint in your mouth, so got some of that. Uh, of course, I've got salt pills with to go with my water. Uh, yeah, maybe some peanuts, some uh, honey peanuts, and um, maybe some fruit, some bananas, oranges. Mostly real food. Probably real food for tomorrow since we have our yeah, car got PB and J. And yeah. Some cold pizza slices. Yeah, some leftover pizza. <laughs> So yeah, a fan of real food, throw in a little bit of gels or, or goo blocks. Um, yeah, you know, salt when I need it. Uh, so it'll be a good time to adjust to the cooler temperatures because fingers crossed down here in Tennessee, it'll be a little bit cooler in October. Uh, you never know, could be back in the 90s for the big day. Uh, so to adjust back to not needing quite as much salt and hydration, uh, yeah, it'll be a good weekend to practice. Cool. I got some new gaiters to wear, uh, my hundred mile course, you know, you should always train for the course you're on. Um, I've been lucky to get up to the area and get on the course several times this year. I just got back last weekend from a training run hosted by the race director up there uh, at the start and finish of where we'll be running. So you told me some things you saw that were of concern. What was that? Well, the, so I typically never wear gaiters, um, but on this course there are a few sections here and there, not long sections, but where you have to jump on like a horse trail or something that's sandy. And some of the creek crossings are like sandy bottom creeks. And I was a little bit worried about getting sand in my socks and, and eventually wearing my feet down and getting blisters. The trails here 
in Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee are not sandy. They're very rocky, um, mud and dirt, but not the sand. So I thought, you know what? I better get gators. So I got me some gators. I'm going to try them out tomorrow, bud, just to see how they feel uh, on my feet and shoes. Um, but yeah, so just taking those things into consideration, like the actual terrain you'll be on, um, I think is important for 100 mile training. Because you might be able to get away with sandy feet for a marathon or 50k. Like, that's fine. But 100 miles, that kind of stuff can wear you down and uh, cause some problems by the end with that much time on your feet. So, I'm just kind of totally preparing for the terrain I'm going to experience. Uh, I've got poles ready I might use in the last half for the big climbs that come up in the second half of the race. Well, I was thinking... Um... I know you said a lot, but I was thinking about the copperheads. Oh, yeah. The last training run I went on last weekend, uh, we did basically like the the last section of what will be the last part of the race. And um, it, we were running through by a creek through the, some boulders and uh, happened to be kind of a copperhead den. <laughs> Got to see couple of copperheads almost had some people step on them uh so yeah they'll be gone when we're there they'll be gone yeah sure bud sure sure thank you (laughs) so yeah i got to survive the copperheads a little bit of sand here and there some creek crossings Mm. which is not not a big deal to me but yeah i think i think in my mind when you go out to run like a 50k you know, you don't worry, or at least I don't worry as much about terrain because I'm, I can, I feel like I can handle any kind of terrain for 30-ish miles. It's not a big deal, but once you start getting, you know, 100 miles, uh, things that are not a big deal at 30 miles could be a really big deal at mile 80, and so I think you just have to give it more consideration um and respect that your body is wearing down by the end of the race for a hundred miler and that you just need to be as proactive as possible uh going in so that's what i've really tried to do this training cycle get a feel for the actual terrain i'm gonna be running on making sure i got the right gear having a strategy for you know am i gonna change socks what mileage what kind of gaiters am i gonna use poles you know, what am I going to stash in my uh, my um, drop bags and, and all that stuff? So because of COVID, the race is a little different this year in regards to crewing and to aid stations and drop bags and access. So, you know, those are all things that you got to worry about, too. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of planning going into a 100-mile race. I don't know. I mean... Mm you want to be successful right (laughs) so i don't know what do you think bud what do you think uh if you had to tell somebody who's not run a hundred miler and they're going in and they're they're gonna start training for a hundred miler what is like your biggest piece of advice i think it would be take whatever pace they think is slow and go about twice as slow as that (laughs) yeah and they need to start doing super super long runs and they need to probably train um, in an obscure way, things that they're not normally used to. So, you know, I've done shift work. I've also done 
military school bullshit. And so there's like um, sleep deprivation that the normal person has never experienced. And I think that even if you can do like a, if you're a competitive 50 mile racer, um, you may not have experienced sleep deprivation Ooh, yet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And so there, there's things that the slower um, racers may be more uh, capable of just by our nature. And that's, um, you know, going through something and suffering for a very long time. I think that's the thing that the 100-mile race, it, it separates people from each other in that, you know, if you're doing a, whatever, a 10 or 12-hour, 50-mile race, that is not the same thing as a 24 to 30-hour, 100-mile race. And so people are going to realize that they're not going to get any sleep. They're going to have to be up for, it's not just the time during the race, it's before the race and after the race you're you're up for two days minimum and you're also eating in an environment where you're not you're not wanting to eat so you have to force your body to eat otherwise you're going to collapse and you have to um you have to endure stuff that is probably um it's not the type thing that you can you can just coast so i think on a shorter race you can coast through things and not completely deplete your tank but on a 100 mile race you're going to completely deplete your tank you're not going to have enough calories you're going to have to eat something you're going to have to drink like crazy and you're going to suffer there's no doubt about yeah, it yeah i think you got to just go in knowing like hey i'm going to do a lot of suffering in the next 24 hours and i'm just going to have to do it and suffer through it and suck it up enter the pain cave and it's just one day and then it's done, right? <laughs> like you have to be ready to suffer. Yeah. I think the, the mindset is, you know, you got you to gotta suffer to so, get the buckle. <laughs> so, well, and after those long races, um, it's been a while since I've done one, but it feels like you cannot get rest. So yeah. your, your body, you're like um, twitching and yeah. your adrenaline's pumping and your body's like, I thought we were in survival mm-hmm. mode. And like, you know, <laughs> even, even, even though you're done and you've, you've finished all the festivities, you, you've already showered, you're back at your hotel or back home or whatever. And you, you cannot get rest. Your body just wants to keep moving or you want to keep breathing and you feel like, um, uh, I don't feel like this running, but I do feel like it after a, a big triathlon like an Ironman. It feels like my lungs want to keep breathing at some high rate. Mm-hmm. And it's it feels like a jet engine. Like I've I've inhaled a week's worth of air in just, you know, twelve hours. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And, and it just feels like I'm completely just drained. So I'll tell you, after a what was a really hard race on my body was the first time I did the Mount Mitchell Challenge, which is a 40-miler, 40 40-ish 40 miler, uh, where you go up the highest peak in the east, Mount Mitchell. And so when I ran that, to make the cutoffs, I had to run pretty fast and pretty hard for me, for my normal pace. And of course, I'm doing tons of elevation and really just and then you run down the mountain and so when I got done with that race showered ate 
everybody, we had rented a house, everybody went to sleep, and I laid there in my bed all night, staring at the ceiling with my legs feeling like they were vibrating, adrenaline coursing through my blood, wide awake, and just like wanting to sleep so badly, but I couldn't because my body had just worked so hard. But it wasn't to the point of exhaustion, but it was to the point where my body was so hyped up and everything was out of whack that I just literally laid there for like eight hours staring at the ceiling <laughs> while everybody slept. <laughs> yeah, I go, I go through this thing where um, it feels like I curl up in the fetal position and then I straighten out and then yeah. I curl up and then I straighten <laughs> can't out. Can't get I, comfortable. Yeah, I can't get comfortable. I'm yeah. just constantly and going back and forth. My legs will twitch. Like your muscles are twitching, you know. Yeah. They're kind of working out the, the chemicals and the lactic acid. And you've got like these rogue like bursts of adrenaline and hormones raging. And yeah, it's so funny. Now, I, I will say like after my first 50 miler, I passed out. Like I ate, I showered, I got in bed, and I was to the point of exhaustion. I'd pushed so hard and this that is, I did pass out, and I slept for like 14 hours straight with, you know, drooling right. and, and, and dead to the world. And you're nursing these blisters and, oh, and yeah. chafing and yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've already got, you've already been cleaned up, showered, and you've got diaper cream rash. Yeah, you doctored. Rash. You've already cried in the shower, you <laughs> oh know, as God. water hit your, your chafing spots you didn't know you had. Yeah. <laughs> You've already done the cry in the shower and you've, you've doctored yourself up. But yeah, it's so mm -hmm. funny because I've had both responses after races where I've been exhausted, you know, done to the point of exhaustion and mm -hmm. I pass out or to the point of not like tired, but not exhausted. And my body thinks we're still, you know, we're still trying to do something here <laughs> and it's, you know, adrenaline's pumping and and you just can't rest uh so it'll be interesting to see i will say after my first like real 100 attempt in chattanooga when i, I really pushed and went through the night non-stop um and i remember i was so tired to the point of exhaustion passed out in the car on the drive home jim drove and i was up my mom's house there in chattanooga and i slept for four hours and i got up and I felt amazing. Like I still had my runner's high. Like I'd slept just enough to get rid of any tiredness, but I was able to maintain as if I'd just gotten off the trail and was like mm. glowing. And like, I remember like, I only got four hours of sleep. I was up for 24 hours. I slept for four hours, got up and I felt like I could conquer the world. It was so weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was the, the strangest experience. So I never know how I'll react after a race. It'll be interesting. Um, I remember after Scar, it was like night, night, <laughs> like yeah. get to the car. I didn't even want to like take my shoes off, even though I was nasty. And I was just like night, night, like <laughs> so sleep deprived that it was, yeah, lights out. Oh, can we talk about the bear thing? Oh, yeah, since that was recent headlines and talking about Scar. Yeah, so you might have, if you're from Tennessee, you probably have seen the headline where uh, they found a bear scavenging on a dead uh, backpacker in the Smoky Mountains. The details haven't been released, so I don't really know all the details. Um, just that, the, 
you know, they're not sure how things went down, but there was a person and who was found dead and who was, remains was being, you know, uh, eaten by a bear in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And Bud did a little research on this, and it turns out it's close to where we had a scary bear encounter with some nuisance bears that were quite aggressive. So it was kind of Right. So there's a, there's a shelter called the Double Spring Gap Shelter, and uh, it's right off the Appalachian Trail. And the location where this person was found uh, is within a mile of that shelter. Ooh, it's scary. Man. And so that's you know several hundred yards from where we had our bear encounter yeah quite interesting i mean i don't uh, maybe they'll release more details i'm not even sure they know exactly what has happened No, they don't know what happened but they know that he was camping on a spur trail and they know that his tent was found ravaged and they know that the his remains were being scavenged by a bear yeah so kind of scary um because I think we tend to think of these black bear encounters as kind of scary, but you don't ever think about it ending that way. And so it was a little shocking even when I heard that. Uh, so what it, what it does for me, it kind of reinforces what I've been seeing, which is the bear activity at night is not the same as the bear activity during yeah, the day. Yeah, I agree with that. And the, the general through hikers are off the Appalachia Trail at night. They're in the shelters. They're where they're supposed to be. The bears have become accustomed to that. They are, it's their territory at night. And, you know, normally when you encounter a bear, they, they run away before you ever get to see them. And so they hear you before you get there. They smell you before you get there and they're gone. That's during the daytime, but in twilight or at nighttime, you know, it's their territory. And, I just have to believe, like that old saying, you know, does a bear shit in the woods? They have all those woods out there, but they seem to shit right on the trail. Yeah, to warn and you, it's, maybe. It's all, that's <laughs> like, what hey, I'm thinking. My trail. They're they're shitting on the trail at night, and it's all fresh because they don't want you there. We did notice that at Daring Scar. It was very interesting uh, to see that. Yeah. 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 So that was something that came out in the news this week. That was. Yeah, you know, because for my 100-miler, we're up in bear country, and I'm not I'm not worried about seeing a bear. Uh, not not nearly as many bear, probably, where we're going to be for the hundo, as in the Great Smoky Mountains, but still, you know, a thing. Uh, kind of the least of my worries, really, for this 100-miler, but could, could have a bear encounter. Um, not too worried about that at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was very sad and strange news coming out of the Smokies. Apparently Knoxville had a tiger on the loose that did not belong to the zoo. Now they think maybe it's a cougar. So there's some, there's some stuff going on up in East Tennessee over there in the mountains. (laughs) There's some 2020 magic happening or something. I don't know. Um, so So yeah. let me ask you, Lauren, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking water. I'm being such a good girl. Listen, I had a beer earlier, and I'm not going to lie. Last night, it was a rough day. Yesterday was a rough day. Long day. And I um, indulged in a lot of wine. (laughs) And I have not been drinking much lately at all. Uh, Beer every once in a while here and there. And then last night, I I did get some wine, and it was nice. But my body kind of felt rough today after drinking that wine. So I am being a good girl. I'm hydrating for my trail run tomorrow. 
when I, when I feel good tomorrow when I wake up, uh, yeah, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to peak for this training and get it done and taper. And I'm just so, so, so ready to do this race. I just, I'm ready to finish it, to get my buckle, to experience it, to go through it, all the highs and lows, and to just get it done. Like, I just want to experience it all and I want to complete it. So I am excited that I'm here at Peak Week. So, uh, yeah. So what questions should we answer about 100-mile training, bud? Or any kind of long endurance training, I guess. So I want you to tell me about uh, the gear that you're going to be wearing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, tomorrow. So, yeah, tomorrow yeah. will replicate what I would, you know, what I'm planning on wearing. You know, I'm glad you said that because one of the things I was thinking in my head was, you know, training runs that you know are going to be 10 miles or 20 miles or whatever. Do you plan for that? Or when you know you're going to be training for a 100 miler, should you put all the gear that you should be carrying with you? So I do tend on longer training runs with the idea, the goal in mind being a 100 miler. I always try to wear a heavy pack and heavy, I mean, full water supplies Mm-hmm. Similar to what I will be carrying most of the time on a 100 miler to get my back and ab muscles, and shoulder muscles all right. well acquainted. I don't want to go into a 100 miler and at mile 50, my back be aching and mm-hmm. pulling a, having a strained you know, shoulder. I want my body to feel so accustomed to running in that pack that it's no big deal when it comes time for the 100 miler. I'm a big firm believer in wearing my pack as much as possible uh and also because when you load a pack it rides different it does and chafing can be way different with a loaded pack versus not and so i take especially for ladies with sports bras up top um where it hits the sports bra and hits your skin it's a huge difference between a pack that's full and not in my opinion and so Tomorrow and anytime I, I do a long training run, I try to replicate exactly what I would be wearing and carrying for my 100 miler. So I'll wear my new gaiters to get a feel for how they feel on my legs, how they fit on my shoes. I'll wear the running skirt that I intend on wearing for the race. So I make sure it's not chafing me in new spots or, you know, I got too big or it shrank or <laughs> something happened. Have, what do we... In, in the race, we're going to have an aid station like every seven or eight miles. Yeah, right? every seven or eight miles. I think the longest distance that we will go through is a 10-mile distance, uh-huh. maybe in the night uh, between aid stations. But everything else will hit somewhere between five to eight miles, give or take. Um, and then with 10 being the longest between aid, maybe 10, 10.8 yeah. between aid stations in the night um so you're never far away from aid i mean 10 can feel pretty far when you're later in the race right especially or if you have tough conditions um so so it won't be that i have to be it's not like scar like when you're doing a self-supported journey and you're carrying everything you need on you uh so definitely not going to be loaded down to the max but going to have snacks in my bag I might throw a headlamp or two in for tomorrow to get that weight. I'll have full bladder that I'll be drinking on and refilling. Um, 
I may even bring my poles to do a lap with because I haven't used them in year, you know, since a year ago in the mm -hmm. mountains. Uh, not that this race requires poles, but I think at the end with some of the, the climbs, it'll just be nice to have them. Uh, you know, I'll bring them whether or not I use them or not. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so tomorrow I'll make sure I, I use all the gear I'm going to use for the 100 miler. So I'll, I decided to use my Solomon hydration pack since it has more storage and it's kind of easy to access storage. Um, I don't usually like to use that pack during the summer because it makes me hot. Uh, but hopefully it's going to be cooler for the race. And so I'll, I'll use that pack and um, yeah. So that's what I'll do. I'll replicate the conditions. Orange mud. That's what I'm I using. I do love, well, I love my orange mud. And I, I <laughs> have gone back and forth. Y'all know I have a hydration pack fetish. And I love all hydration packs, some more than others. And I like having a variety. Is it a collection or a fetish? Well, I don't, it, it depends on who you're asking, okay? And uh, I like different <laughs> hydration packs for different scenarios. And so, uh, you know, hot you know, summer days, orange mud all the way. That's right. I like, to, I like to tailor what I'm wearing to what I'm doing. Yeah, I always do. Uh, short runs, I mean, you know, shorter but hot, need a lot of water, I'll use orange mm -hmm. mud. I use orange mud on long runs too. Uh, sometimes I use a Nathan. I do like the Solomon because it has so much storage, so I just think for a 100 miler it makes sense. Um, and, I, and I like that pack. It's the one I got at Nashville Running Company and, and it works really well. Um, just, I get hot in it during the summer. Like when it's really high humidity and high heat, I don't feel comfortable in that pack. And I don't know, everybody else seems to think it's really breathable and it's made to be breathable, but I guess I'm just difficult, I don't know. And so, but I will be wearing that, and yeah, that's what I'm going to do. This is my, this week I'll probably only hit 60 or 70 miles, and I'm okay with that. For me, that's my peak week. Um, you know, people will run 100, 200 miles a week in preparation for a 100 miler, and that does not work for me. I know my body pretty well, and uh, what it needs, and less is more in some cases for me. Um... I don't want to do too few miles, but I also cannot um, do, I, I, I'm susceptible to overtraining and I know my body and uh, I know what it's capable of. I know how it feels in long endurance events, you know, at mile 80 and yeah, I, I think I just have that wisdom now because I've been running so long that I can get away with, okay, I need this, you know, X, Y, or Z mileage and I'm okay with it. And so that took me some time to figure that out. But yeah, this will be my peak week. So I have to ask you some stuff. Okay, bud. It's kind of personal. Uh oh. I mean, we've had these conversations, but the public doesn't know. Oh, I'm scared. So what does this hundo mean to you? Oh, well, okay, so I've had several hundo attempts, and I've unfortunately DNF'd them all for various differing reasons, some within my control, some not, and so, I mean, it has so much meaning in, in a variety of ways, I mean, just completing it for myself, it's like such a task, right, <laughs> 
that um, there's that sense of accomplishment, especially because I've DNF'd my, you know, these three attempts before. It's like, okay, I'm coming back to finish it, you know. So I want I want you to speak to the listeners who've attempted that distance and they feel like they're failures. Yeah, I what, mean. What do you have to tell them? It's not a failure. I mean, you That's feel right. like it's a failure, but it's actually just a learning experience. It's a learning run. It's a learning experience. And I feel like. Does everyone get it the first time? No, I mean, some people do, but a lot, I think a lot of people don't get it the first time. And I think I knew that going in, but there's always that, that wanting and hoping that it all goes well and there's no DNF. For me, you know, I, I'm not, I'm going to admit, especially the last one, there's a lot of heartache, like, cause you do have to pour so much of your time into training. And we all know that time is equals life and time training equals time you've taken away from your life in other areas um you know you've chosen to do it and it brings me joy but it's also sacrifices that have to be made and so it is this sense of failure and despair when you dnf something that's taken up so much of your time to train for so I get that, does and I it, felt that. Does it make people feel like they've let others down? Oh, yeah. Like, you're like my pacer, and, like, my husband had his all, you know, planning all this, like, crewing, and my pacers and my friends cheering me on, and everybody on Facebook saying, woo, go get it. So you definitely are like, man, I'm just, you know, I failed. Sorry, guys. I got y'all hyped up, and y'all thought I was going to do this and you know I didn't (laughs) so yeah you definitely feel like you let people down of course you feel like you let yourself down but I gained so much experience and knowledge from failed attempts that now I feel very secure going in doesn't mean I'm gonna not DNF again (laughs) I mean who knows what could happen things out of your control you know 100 miles is a long period of time in which Things out of your control can happen um, that could lead to a DNF. And so all you can do is prepare what you, you know you can do and prepare what you can prepare for. So if, if we have a listener right now who probably thinks this isn't for them anymore because they think they failed mm-hmm. and they've given up, what would you tell them? Well, I mean, if it's something you really want, and it brings joy to your life and and walking across the finish line would give some type of meaning to you in your life then you should just you should do it until you get it and you know if I DNF this I'm gonna keep trying because it's something I want to do and for a variety of reasons a lot of personal reasons um but I'm going to go into this race knowing that I've done everything that I can possibly do to prepare for it and hope that everything else <laughs> because you don't give up yeah i don't want to give up like i i mean in life or anything i try not to yeah i think that's my motto it's like i just i can't i can fail but i can't give up i don't want to give up you know failure sometimes happens and you can't control it but you can control whether you give up or not and i don't i don't want to give up yet I don't. So. I personally don't think people fail until they do give up. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one way of looking at it. That the failure is giving up. That's right. the failure. Um, because as long as you're still trying, you're still working towards that goal. 
Yeah. And so for me, it's just, it's a goal I have, something I want to accomplish. I'm going to have fun doing it. I've had fun training for this. It hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows. There are some days you don't want to train, but you know you have to. Uh, But overall, I've enjoyed it, and it's what I love to do. I love being out on the trail for 30 hours at a time. I know people, some people think that's crazy, but to me, it's such an adventure, and Mm -hmm. you just don't know what's going to happen, and you know you're going to suffer, and you're going to see cool things, and you're going to do cool things, and no matter what happens. So, yeah, I mean, if it's something you really want, and it really just adds value to your life then yeah you you should just keep trying i mean who cares how long it takes you know most people don't even try in the first place so you know you're ahead of them (laughs) so do you feel like this trail is going to put dust in our shoes Mm -hmm. in our socks i mean i guess it depends on how dry it is but yeah i'm a little worried about it because i I tend to go without any lube on my feet whatsoever. I don't use lube on my feet either. And what I experienced out west was there was plenty of dust and it got all in our shoes, mm. but it acted like talcum powder mm. and it kept us dry. Yeah. So I don't and I don't know. I I had no blisters from Tahoe. I mean and other people that put lube on their feet, it it caked in like mud. I hate to say this because I don't want to jinx myself, but I never have feet problems usually. <laughs> so I don't really worry about looping my feet. But I will say, I mean, there's river crossing. So I would say uh-huh. it's more mud and river and dirt, yeah. what we're used to than anything. But there is a little bit of sand on some mm-hmm. of the horse trails. So I think there's going to be a mix of everything. And I just got to be prepared for it. You know, you got to just so plan maybe for it. We have to change socks. Maybe. Or yeah. I'm going to bring extra socks for drop yeah. bags, which is, again, not something I would normally do. Uh, but just because I want to. <laughs> I, I remember on the Caney Fork, there was a guy. He goes, hey, there, I heard there's creek crossings. What do you all do? Do you all take your shoes off and stuff and do you wait across <laughs> no you just run across <laughs> you just go like oh my god you're gonna die yeah you just go you have to have wet feet and wet socks doesn't bother me makes it fun but yeah so i mean 100 mile training who it takes it does take time whether you, even if you do lower mileage you're on the lower end like myself it still is a lot of time i mean i'm a slow runner so you know, I don't run the miles as fast, but yeah, I mean, I'm up every morning before the kids are up running around my hood on the pavement. I'm running at night. I'm getting up before the sun on weekends and running and trading off with my husband and running when I don't want to. And, uh, yeah, just, it's, it's, but I do it because I know that I want the big goal so badly that all the the uncomfortable moments are worth it because they're all pushing towards the one goal that I want to do. Um, Mm. So, yeah. So, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm just going to go into it to have a good time and to do my best and whatever happens, happens. I will say I'm going into this one much more prepared than anything we've done besides SCAR. I feel like I was really prepared for SCAR. Um, And I feel like I'm really prepared for this or at least for me, as a, as prepared as I can be with three kids and working and all that stuff that goes with it. Um, 
I feel like I've, I've done like what I can do. So that makes me happy. Whether or not it's good enough or not, I don't know. <laughs> but I feel <laughs> I feel content with it. So yeah, I know it means a lot uh, for me to be able to pace you and take you to that finish line. Yeah, I'm excited about that part. Like having somebody to cross mm-hmm. the finish line with who knows me and yep. has been on all these adventures with me. It's going to be good because I suspect like my husband's running the race and uh, he's also a back of the packer, but our rhythm on the trail is just so different. And even though we've gotten to train somewhat together, not really a whole lot, and our rhythms are just so different. So we're going to start out together, but we probably won't stay together on the trail just because oh man, our approach is so different. And his power hiking Mm -hmm. speed is like my jogging speed. We just don't mesh on the trail. And so, you know, I kind of assume, both of us assume that, you know, we won't necessarily be running together. And so it's good to know that I'm going to have Bud there as my pacer to kind of help keep me on track and to, you know, be able to cross the finish line. And maybe we'll cross the finish line before my husband, Jim, and we can... Wait at the finish line for him. (laughs) I kind of feel like he's going to go out a little bit fast. And then then we're going to pass him. I mean, maybe. Or he may end up passing us on some hills. (laughs) He's like a mountain goat. (laughs) So, yeah, it'll be funny to see if we cat and mouse each other. You know how when you're driving down the highway and there's like a car that you're... continually pass them and yeah they pass yeah you, and, and then you so stop annoying. and get gas and yeah. then you catch up to them later and you're like that's hey. what it's gonna be like yeah i think it will i think we'll be cat and mouse in each other the whole time which will be fun uh I, there's a part of me that wants to run it together with him but i also know that that wouldn't make sense just because our pacing and, and rhythm mm-hmm. is so off um so we'll each be doing our own kind of race but having planned and trained somewhat together so it's been fun Mm. to do that and to share that with him so it's kind of neat so i'm hoping so if we if he makes it first he'll have to lay down in the grass and wait on us (laughs) to cross (laughs) he'll probably be passed out that's okay yeah so we'll see how it goes it should be fun but yeah we'll definitely start together and then and then see what happens from there um yeah and i'll pick bud up around dark Dark 30. Yeah, zero dark 30, whenever that is. <laughs> uh, whatever mileage that is, who knows? And so we'll get through the night together, and hopefully we won't... Our magnetic personalities won't attract all the bears to the yard. Oh, and, my goodness. Because <laughs> apparently the bears like us. Uh, so that should be fun. So do you think if a person projects good energy... That animals pick up on that. Yeah, the bears want some of that. They're know, like, that know, makes you tastier. Well, dogs pick up on that, right? <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah. So don't bears pick up on that? I mean, sure. And they may not necessarily want to kill us, but they're going to show up. Yeah. My, I mean, my tra- It's still scary. Yeah, my, my, trail, my trail jog brings all the bears to uh-huh. the yard, but <laughs> <laughs> in case you didn't know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. You want to spend the last few minutes doing some impromptu stuff? Uh, okay, but Make it sure. more lighthearted? Okay, let's do it. All right, so several things we got to do. Uh-oh, I'm scared again. What do you mean scared? I don't know. What are you going like, to let me do? We'll carry the microphone, and we got to do some stuff. Where are we going? Well, we're going to top this off. Okay. All right, see if Ooh. people know what they're listening to. Okay. Here we go. We're on the move. Yeah. We're Describe moving. what we're doing. We are standing up. And, and what? Walking to my kitchen.
you can keep like uh, telling everyone what's happening. Okay, we're now in my kitchen. And something's going into a cup. You can probably hear that sound. Well, tell them what it is. Oh, it's ice. Yeah, it's ice. We are in the solid phase of H2O. Oh, wait, oh, they gotta hear this. They gotta hear this. I'm gonna yeah. pull the mic up. Ooh. What did that sound like? Sounds delicious. Had some uncorking and pouring action going on. This is the uh, mm. bourbon. Oh, I can smell it. Bourbon. Oh, there's a poodle. There's my dog. So, yeah, we got some bourbon. That does smell good. But I'm going to be a good girl, and I'm going to drink my water, and I'm getting ready to go to bed so that we can wake up and run. Let's go back to the piano. Oh, Bud's going to play us a song. He's the piano man. We're all in the mood for a melody. <laughs> He's going to wake my kids up. So you, you remember what A was, right? Yeah, sure, bud. <laughs> he was teaching my kids to play piano. My very untuned piano, by the way. Y'all didn't know Bud was the piano man. Oh, it's the same thing as a guitar. <laughs> so, what did I call the piano today? Uh, the, queen the queen of, of strings. Yeah, the queen of stringed instruments. Oh, the queen of stringed instruments. Yeah. My dog is like, why did y'all wake me up for this? So let's see if we can play that same thing Okay, here. he's going to move instruments. precisely the same but I have no you're asking the most musically challenged woman okay in this house which is me <laughs> I'm the only woman but that's besides, that's besides the point it still holds true probably most places uh, yeah sure bud uh, oh so this is a uh, classical guitar okay with nylon strings all right as opposed to non-classical So I think the way you play it is a little bit different. Okay. And it sounds mellow. Yeah, it sounds yeah, it does sound mellow. It's gonna lull me to sleep. Right. See, I don't even need the bourbon. I've also got it tuned to E flat. Okay. So it's down a half step. Oh, as my one son, it's not angry though. It's sad. <laughs> is that he just? Yes. He described uh, a chord as being angry or sad or yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Bud. Okay, so we'll wrap up here so we can go get some sleep and we'll report back from the trail. 
if we're not Let's too tired. That. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, 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 uh, what am I trying to say here? I'm tired. We'll edit it and put several things yeah, in there. Yeah. We'll check back tomorrow. We can do like pre, mid, and post run. Give everybody the lowdown of how it went. And, uh, it's supposed to feel like fall. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great run. And, oh, well, and we should say, shout out. Everybody running uh, Barkley Fall Classics t- is tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so lots of people out there suffering away. It's a little bit different this year. Smaller group of people, I think, um, running this year. And then the Georgia Jewels going down in Georgia. And I'm sure there's other races going on around. I don't know. Uh, there's probably more, right? Probably. So, yeah. Good stuff. All right. So we're doing a self-supported ultra tomorrow. That's right. We are. We're going to have a fun self-supported ultra tomorrow with uh, our very own aid station. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll check back in. And uh, what else was I going to say? I don't remember specifically. I think when I looked at the chemistry books, it reminded me of it. (laughs) I have all my (laughs) graduate school and college. uh, Yeah. But like, Science textbooks. Yeah. Smart smart lady. But <laughs> <laughs> we talked earlier about that moment when like organic chemistry opens to you. Oh yeah. Like the the Rosetta Stone. It's like <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden it's clear and you're fluent. You're fluent in yeah. organic chemistry. It's yeah. true. And it's, it's true. like the chromatic scale on the guitar just all of a sudden one day opens to you and you understand it and like I had heard people so long talking about the piano, and I was like, dude, that's nothing like the guitar. And they're like, yeah, it's the same thing, man. And I'm like, no, it's nothing like a guitar. And they're like, yes, it's a stringed instrument. And I'm like, no, it's got keys. It's got it, keys. It, look, it looks what weird. Are you talking about? No, the piano, <laughs> the piano is the absolute master of all instruments. I mean, it is the top. And it's like, it's open now. And like the same notes you play on a guitar. Those are the same notes you play on a piano. Mm-hmm. And the chord structure is identical, even though your fingers are doing something different. Right. But it means the same thing. And you can do like more stuff on a piano, you know? Yeah. I got a, I got a kid who I think I need to teach how to play the piano. He picked it up so fast yeah, today. Yeah, he's my math wizard. And, I was like, and, and yeah. after like maybe three hours, so like, one thing i'm like here's the notes blah 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 here they are and then three or four hours later i'm like go play the a and he does it yeah I'm like, how the heck do you remember yeah, that? yeah he like he likes it because it's like predictable math patterns how right. the chords well, happen in the so notes. every octave is like either double the hertz or half the hertz right all right, y'all can get together and form a band. There you go. And your piano's flat. So oh, it my piano. Good. Yeah, my <laughs> poor piano. This is the piano that my mother learned to play the piano on. She's she's so quite a good. When pianist. was it tuned last? Uh, that would be when I was back in Chattanooga before it was moved to my house, and that was probably like a good five years ago. And then it was moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a while. Yeah, I should probably get someone to tune it, huh? <laughs> you know, you know, we were talking about something earlier. It's kind of confusing, but um, I think the fourth octave A was a four, 440 hertz. And if it, on my tuner, that I, the guitar tuner I put over there, mm-hmm. 
it was showing up not as a flat but it was showing up like you know below a on the mm -hmm. scale mm -hmm. and so there was something like 432 hertz could be the uh the best acoustic a hmm. you know there's like a different um how could i say it it's it's almost a little bit flat sounds better to our ears sounds better yeah I'll take your word for it because I have no idea. But so your your flat piano actually sounds, sounds good. It sounds good to me. See, I'm hip. I'm in. It sounds really good to me. See, I knew what I was doing by not tuning it all these years. <laughs> I know what I'm doing, bud. Uh, all right, bud. Well, we're gonna jump off here and we'll yeah. join everybody back later. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Good night. Good night. Hey, Lauren. Oh, hey, bud. What are you doing? I'm texting Jim that my Sunto wouldn't get a signal. I'm really pissed about it. Oh, I don't think mine did either. Mm -mm. That's okay, because guess what I got coming in the mail Tuesday? My Coros Apex GPS watch. That's oh, so right. you're, you're jumping teams. Jumping teams, man. Okay. Switching sides. Had mm. enough of my Sunto that will not find a GPS signal, won't sync to anything. I don't care that I paid $500 for it. It's done. It's toast. It's dead to me. Got my Koros coming Tuesday. Okay. So there's that. So Just. what are we doing today? Uh, we're running. We just did eight miles, eight and a half miles. Yeah. And uh, we're getting ready to head back to our aid station car here and eat a little bit of PB&J, maybe have a Coke. I actually have a deli sandwich. I was hiding Ooh, it from you. Oh, fancy. Yeah. I'm okay with these. I like mine. Mine crustables. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're going to take a little break and go back out. And I have cold pizza. Oh, yeah, you got leftover cold pizza. Yep. So, I got candy. I got some Snickers. Cokes, beers, waters. Yep, we're good. So, we're heading back to our makeshift aid station. And, uh... Tell us about the temperature out oh, here. Oh, it's so lovely. It's like, what started out like in the 50s oh, yeah car oh a car the road going back to our car yeah uh it started out like in the 50s climbed up to the 60s or probably like in the high 60s now with the breeze yeah oh man it's like awesome i petted some dogs yeah there's lots of pretty dogs out i mean it's like sunshine crisp air it's uh pretty nice all right pretty nice Hey guys, I've gotten close to, uh, let's see, about 50 miles covered this weekend. I'm solo right now. I have immensely enjoyed my time uh, running. Bud got to join in for some, and I'm wrapping up the weekend doing all the mom things uh, today and, and trying to run around that. Uh, so I finished with over 60 miles for the week, and I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, with cross training and everything that I do and, and working and three kids and all that good stuff. Uh, that's, that's peak week for me and I am so excited. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling great. feel like I could run forever. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Thanks for joining us on this episode and uh, we'll be back hopefully sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening.